It's just like when you compare this to other cancer romantic comedies, I feel... It's weird that that's a genre. <laughs> it, it is very weird. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number 363 with a review of me and Earl and the Dying Girl. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spore the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, uh, we are talking about a film that hopefully will be coming to a theater near you soon. Uh, as we said, me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Um, how are you doing tonight, Stephen? I'm doing okay, uh, like you, and nobody else knows that this is our second time trying to record, because already, so we're recording from new locations, I was just complaining about the internet, and of course the internet cut out at me, so yeah. here we are, round two, me armed with a cell phone, microphone, and a laptop, you holding a mic in your hand. <laughs> Sitting cross-legged on my floor, <laughs> in my empty bedroom contemplating life <laughs> staring yeah. at that blue snowball yeah it, it, it's insane to me that like we're i mean we're, we're we're currently recording from the bay area i mean there there are a lot of tech companies here you think that you know one company could provide some decent internet around um i don't know i maybe comcast you know just came in and strong-armed everybody with their big army of people but it seems like you know they they would do something some company would like crop up to release some sort of weird like crowdsourced uh, bum Wi-Fi or something. <laughs> you would think so. I look forward to the day that Project Loon finally takes off and we have <laughs> hot air balloons in space giving us Wi-Fi. Dude, it'll be like uh, we'll have the giant um, the the fan things from from uh, Big Hero Six. Yes. Remember, like the weird turbines that float like a kite in the air generating beautiful electricity and i'm assuming they're for electricity i don't think they ever actually mentioned it but it'll be sweet one day it'll be wonderful though i wonder if customer service will be any better like if people are piloting giant turbines and hot air balloons well they're all automated right so as long as they don't turn on they don't become sentient and get nobody tries to upload them to the internet (laughs) i I assume they will (laughs) where are you going everywhere I feel like that line was also used in another movie recently. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I saw it not long ago, but I can't think of any movies we've seen recently where a person transcended something. Yeah. No idea. Anyways, anyways, me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Um <laughs> you excited to talk about this little film? Yeah, I think I think it'll be a nice conversation if if we can get out of our heads and stop being so flustered by all the, I, it's just weird being in a new location recording. Oh, yeah. Something feels off. Yeah, I mean, it's, you get comfortable in one thing and everything kind of just flows. I don't have, like, my note cards with, like, our phone number or anything on it. I don't have my my mic stand. I don't have my good headphones. I'm in, like, a Also, there, there's a guy in a panda suit standing right next to me. <laughs> is that normal? Is <laughs> Yes, that is very, that is extremely normal. At least it's normal in cute romantic comedies. Okay. All right. Well, with that being said, how about you, uh, or how about you, how about we just uh, take a small break while everybody listens to the trailer for me and Earl and the dying girl, and then come back and give everybody a review. 
I have no idea how to tell this story. I don't even know how to start it. This is the story of my senior year of high school and how it destroyed my life. Your father and I want to talk to you about something sad. Rachel Kushner has been diagnosed with leukemia. That sucks. It sucks. It sucks quite a bit. You might be someone who could make Rachel feel better. I don't need your stupid pity. I'm not here because I pity you. I'm actually here because my mom is making me. <laughs> it's actually worse. Everyone was going to find out sooner or later. One thing you can do if you don't want to talk to anyone is just enter a subhuman state. Pretend you're someone annoying. Hi, Rachel. I'm really sorry you have cancer. <laughs> exactly what I'm talking about. So if this was a touching romantic story, our eyes would meet and suddenly we would be furiously making out with the fire of a thousand suns. But this isn't a touching romantic story. Anyway. Yep. Who is this little Brent? Earl's just my co-worker. I've known him since kindergarten. What you got, cat? Wanna fight? Then think so, punk-ass cat. So you and Greg are co-workers? Nah, we friends. Dude's terrified of calling somebody his friend. Dude's got issues. But how are you co-workers? We make films. Movies? They're terrible. Greg, you never told me. The idea behind each one was, we took a film that we liked, and we made the title stupider, and then made a new film to reflect the new title. It's a formula that only produces horrible films, but for some reason we keep using it. You need to make a film for Rachel. Hi, Rachel. I don't really know you, but I believe in you. I know you're Jewish, but God has a plan for you. Out of all the people in the school, I don't hate you. Damn. You guys were making a movie for me. We tried a bunch of stuff and it's not that good. Now is not the time for your, I'm Greg, I suck, nothing I do is any good thing. We agreed to do a film that we have no idea what it should look like or even be. What was I thinking? I'm so tired of you treating this girl like she a burden. Because somebody actually cares about you, her life is over after this. Life can keep unfolding itself to you just as long as you pay attention to it. It was the best of times. <sighs> Worst of times. It's so much harder than I thought it would. It was life. All right, so that was the trailer for me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Um, it is basically a film about uh, a guy and his buddy named Earl and a dying girl. Um, basically, his mom forces him to go hang out with a girl who uh, has leukemia, right? Yeah, leukemia. Okay. So, uh, you know, his, his mom's like, you have to go over there and try to make her feel happy because she's dying and whatever. So he uh, he goes and, uh, you know, does his duty that his parents say that he has to. And, you know, along the way, he might actually become friends with this person. Um, so, Stephen, why don't you start us off and let us know uh, if, if the film was as cute as promised and if you enjoyed it. Yeah, so I'm not... I'm not sure if cute is the right word. So, like, I feel like when there's a big new movie coming out of Sundance that everyone is, you know, applauding, usually it's one of two things. It's either, like, a Wes Anderson-type thing where it's this auteur that made a, like, really stylish, interesting, but hip, maybe a little detached movie. Like, if if not dry, at least it's, like, you know, there's usually something kind of whimsical or like winking about it. Yeah. Or you, or you get the kind of hard on your sleeve coming of age story like uh, Kings of Summer or The Way Way Back, where it's just like totally raw, emotional, sentimental, and there's art to them. But like, you don't walk away thinking, "Whoa, that looked really cool. That was really clever." You go away feeling like you want a box of tissues and <laughs> to go visit an amusement park from your childhood. <laughs> 
Um, and so I feel like this this is a one of those rare movies that like it managed to do both of those things really really well. I thought um, on the emotional side, like the cutesiness you mentioned, like there there's a lot of emotion in this movie. Uh, there's some tear jerking. I feel like there's a lot more kind of like the melancholy laughter uh, than anything else. Yeah. Uh, but like it it isn't shying away from talking about difficult subjects and showing a kid struggling with something like uh, the potential death of a friend. But then it also, because its narrator is this kind of self-conscious, funny, not hip person, but like guy who tries to make a joke out of everything, it also gets that kind of like quirky irreverence that uh, that makes these movies so like light and fun to watch. Yeah. And the the whole filmmaking is in his voice so you get all these like goofy scenes and visual gags and the camera moving in odd angles and the characters kind of coming in and out in a sort of spot, Scott Pilgrim versus the world kind of way yeah like it you get like a comic booky vibe to it and there's something about that combination of like really raw emotions with fun comic book kind of aesthetic that just it totally won me over, at least for the first, like, 80% of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think uh, we'll talk about it. I think the movie, it does a great job of setting up the storyline and the way it examines all these difficult ideas of death and belonging and who you are in the world and whether you're selfish and, do you know, everything that a good high schooler has to go through. <laughs> uh, it, it, it does a really great job of just striking this really confident like like it's addressing these issues head on but it's also being very funny <laughs> funny about it like yeah. like the title should uh clue you in it's me and earl and the dying girl and like he'll refer to this person as the dying girl doomed friendship day five doomed friendship day 10 yeah and like characters will joke about dying and they'll say uncomfortable things and it, it just it really has the the confidence that a movie like 50 50 kind of had to me where it's like we know this is a serious subject matter and we're going to get through it by laughing about it yeah um and i thought that was just amazingly well done like i thought his character was totally relatable i thought rachel aka the dying girl was a great character all the side people are like pretty one-dimensional but they're very funny one-dimensional people yeah uh, and like when the jokes land they really really land then in in the final stretch, it felt like it kind of caved and decided, okay, well, now we're just going to be sentimental without all of that cleverness that built up the rest of the movie. And, like, it, it makes a few kind of third-act decisions that... I, I didn't leave being super pumped about the movie anymore. But when I look back to, like, the whole viewing experience, I I had a great time. I thought it was really fun. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely. I mean, I keep I keep referring to to cute, and it sounds like you're kind of, kind of trying to pull back a little bit from that. And I don't know if because I'm like pigeonholing it by using that, but um, I, I I mean, I think it was it was a cute movie. I mean, partially it's because the 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 main character is a little bit younger than I am, so they uh, it, it like obviously there's there's adult situations that are happening and that like death is on the table and it's uh you know a big a big deal for these people but for some reason it, it the kids seem younger than they do in other high schooler movies i mean um with the spectacular now they're the same age as these kids but for some reason 
they seem a little bit more mature. Like, like this film mm-hmm. exists in a, like you said, like a Scott Pilgrim kind of world. It, it's very, it's very cartoony in that, like everything is hyper real where it's, it's everybody is sort of like a caricature of who they would be in real life. And like the, the characters speak like so much more quickly than the normal human beings do. They're super, super witty. Like their, their stuff is like, dialogue feels written and it's not that it's bad in that like it doesn't feel authentic um because the situations are authentic enough to make it pay off but it's definitely written in a way where like somebody really thought they were clever (laughs) when they wrote these different things yes Um, and you know like i I enjoyed it i i I had a good time watching it um the characters are very very fun um even like the the most hyper real moments where like no character could come up with something that clever or funny on the spot uh like, for instance, in, in one scene where the character is trying to write an admissions letter being forced to by the dying girl. And, you know, he like creates, a, he takes on a persona as he's writing this this letter. I feel like, you know, you and I constantly like message each other with things that we're doing on the fly, but we still like take the time to prepare them and and. Oh, I take hours writing those jokes before <laughs> I message you. I know, seriously. Um, so it's like, it's one of those things where like, they're, they're really funny, but at the same time, you're like, it's kind of weird where they're going with it. Um, they, they've like got the sense of humor of like a late 20 year old who's been doing stand up for a long time. Yeah. Not like, yeah. not like a 17 year old. Yeah, exactly. And like, you, you know, you, you compared it uh, a little bit to fifty um, fifty. And I think that 50-50 is, like, very, very grounded in, like, reality. It just, one of the characters is trying to make light of the situations in in a way to kind of make dealing with it better for both parties in that situation. And in this, it's a little bit different because, um, you know, our our hero guy, character dude, has spent his whole life trying not to be noticed by anybody. And um, now he's in a situation where he has to try to be noticed in a way to try to make this person feel better. And, you know, I, I still, I still enjoy it, but the movie, I don't know. The movie gets into weird territories too, because, you know, the premise, one thing I didn't mention when I was recounting what the story is about is, you know, uh, the main guy and Earl, um, they, one of the things they do is they make shitty movies like on purpose. Like they, they take a title, make it stupider and then make a movie that would come from the stupid title that they created. And, mm-hmm. You know, the big premise is that they're, they've been making all these movies for themselves and this girl is possibly dying. So maybe they should try, you know, somebody tries to get them to make a movie for the dying girl. And I think from that standpoint, the film doesn't really do anything with that. I mean, that is, I mean, they, they definitely do something with it. But like the film isn't about filmmakers. The film is about just these kids. And as their like backstory, they make some movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I never... Yeah. The, it, it's almost like our conversation about uh, while we're young, like that movie is about a bunch of documentarian people, but like really it's about other stuff. But not, you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and, and like while we're young, this movie doesn't, even though like ostensibly it's about making a movie, it doesn't really focus on the movie much at all. <laughs> like you don't <laughs> even get a feel. You don't even get a feel of what it would look like in the end. Yeah. It was kind of like I mean you weren't you weren't on the original Pitch Perfect review right? No, I wasn't. Or or the Pitch Perfect review? Nope. <laughs> well, it, one of my complaints about the first Pitch Perfect movie was that there's this whole subplot where like, um, shit, what's her name now? 
Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick. I'm I'm, uh, I'm staring at a Signed wall. Signed on for Pitch Perfect three as of today. Oh yeah! Wow. Mm-hmm. Very nice. But anyways, so Anna Kendrick. Um, love Anna Kendrick. This is nothing against her or the writing staff, but like the you know the big thing is that like she is really good at like mixing like mashups basically. So she's really good at doing mashups. She just has an ear for it and stuff. And like the entire film, like she's talking about how good she is at mashups and she always has headphones in. But whenever they show her screen, it's like she's dragging a file from one side, like from the from the right side to the left side and then kicking clicking play and she has this brilliant mashup that she did like nowhere <laughs> it's like it's it's like watching a movie about hackers where like the hacker guy just like clicks around with the mouse and then like a progress bar goes and the machine's hacked <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> so so in that i was like you know that movie it was really fun i liked it a lot but it wasn't a good competition movie and it wasn't like she didn't appear to be a really good mashup artist or whatever so in this movie i kind of like it's not it's not a complaint because it didn't make the movie worse, but like I, one of the things I liked about it was wondering how this guy was going to use this film to try to do something for this girl. And really like, I I just never got the sense of like, there's like, I guess, I guess what I expected from the film was that he, because in in the trailers, one of the things they say is like, Oh, like we don't even, we're trying to make this film. It's going to suck. We don't even know what it's about. Like I wanted the profound thing that the film's trying to say to come from the uh from the film that these guys make like mm-hmm. in in a more meaningful way like so so maybe he thought this was a nobody girl and nobody really talked about the girl but maybe in the context of like interviewing people about her they find out that like everybody's life has been touched by her or something you know like something even though that would be super cliche and cheesy i still feel like that would be it would, it would give meaning to the plot points as opposed to just make that be like, oh, by the way, these guys like to make films. Yeah, I can, I, I can buy that though. I do feel like they, I won't say they learned something from making the film about the person, but I do think th- what he settles on in the end is sort of what the movie is about, which is like not needing to address everything head on you know being more living in the emotions of something rather than like just flat out talking about it um but like that's a little vague it it didn't have a hard message i don't think yeah 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 i i mean because the idea of him interviewing people and kind of learning something through that they they know we want that and they even kind of give us a taste of that only to show that like oh yeah this would have been a really boring movie we're not we're not gonna make that but but would it have been a boring movie? <laughs> I don't know. I probably still would have cried. <laughs> I probably would have <laughs> cried. <laughs> but that's a low bar for movies about people dying of cancer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I I can see that. I don't know if... I feel like the movie as a framing device was more one of those places where the uh, the creator wanted to flex his like clever muscles a little more yeah like so that the filmmaking is where there's a ton of great puns and just like goofy stuff being thrown out and i don't know if it except for maybe informing like why these kids are so bizarrely witty all the time yeah um i don't i don't really know if that served a big purpose to have that like in my mind the movie was all about his attempts to relate to this girl like to spend time with her and the 
kind of like uh, the spectacular now in what it got so right in my mind was the dynamic between these people, like the awkward way that they would start to get to know each other and the way that they would communicate and the way that they would do different things. And that like sitting on stairs, eating popsicles and maybe doing other things uh, would become this like meaningful moment in their lives. Yeah. Um, I, I thought I just nailed the, like the adolescent thing so well I didn't I didn't really care where the plot was headed as long as it kept that tone which yeah. is why in the end when it kind of screwed over that tone that's where I got a little frustrated. Yeah, I mean I I I I agree with the the nailing the adolescent thing like I even when their their dialogue was undercutting that a bit it's still like the what was actually happening and how they were responding to the situations totally overshadowed the uh, the non-authentic dialogue and made it feel authentic because the situation seemed real. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, I, I think, you know, we, we talked momentarily walking out of the theater about uh, the end of the film and we don't, I don't know if we, can we, can we talk about it vaguely or do we want to just do a spoiler section or what? I think we might want to do a little spoiler section for this. Okay. I think we're, we're going to run out of vague things pretty soon. <laughs> That's probably true. Um, yeah, is there anything left before spoilers that you want to say? Um, I I guess most of it would make more sense with spoilers. I, I'm wondering, like, there are a few secondary characters in this movie that are built up a certain way. Like, there is a hot girl character, and there's this whole framing device about what she does to him and how it feels to be a guy in his shoes. Um, do you feel like they did anything with most of the secondary characters? Like, I feel like most of those didn't really pay off. They kind of just faded away through the first half of the movie. Yeah, they're... So, I would probably like to address that more in spoilers. (laughs) Okay. Because there's definitely a... Like, there's literally a... I feel like there's a scene completely cut out. Like, one of the last times he interacts with the hot girl, and then the scene that directly follows that moment... I feel like there's almost like a scene missing in between or like Mm -hmm. they were trying to be clever with that transition. Um, I don't know. We we can talk about it in spoilers. Yeah, we'll talk about (laughs) spoilers. Yeah. But uh, to to answer vaguely, I I think the, the characters are there. I I think what it is is they're trying to bring up things that are true about adolescence but they didn't really know what to do with it more like the Mm -hmm. the he has a line of dialogue where he talks to the hot girl about exactly what she's doing to him and that's like the entire thesis of her character even existing is so that he can have that line of dialogue where he says that and then that's she's like sort of used up in a way um and you know there's the other like the weird kid in school and like the goth guy and like they're there to it feels like they're there just to key in on certain things and then they didn't really have more to do with them they just kept them around which is it's kind of weird but i guess they just needed stuff to fill (laughs) i don't know yeah Yeah, i don't have a problem with it i I just thought it was kind of interesting like they're they begin the movie with all of these like loose ends where you kind of see like oh this is how this is going to pay off and this is how this will pay off and then instead of kind of tying them together at the end they just sort of decide let's let them all go and focus on the main strand of the story yeah (laughs) which is like 
maybe the point, but it it is like a kind of weird framing device. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, <laughs> I mean, it, it's hard to talk vaguely about. Like, we're not even supposed to tell like what what happens to the girl or to any of the characters. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's hard to be vague. Uh, but uh, so so yeah. So what, what do you say that uh, we just skip ahead to, to our verdict for people who um, are wanting to know what you thought of the film officially, and then we'll skip. Then we'll jump right on into spoilers. Sure. Sound good? All right. So if you're going to give this, Stephen, a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? You know, even though I had a few reservations about the ending that we'll get into, uh, for so much of the movie, I was so on board, and it was so kind of fresh and invigorating, and I I loved the emotions of it, so I got to give it a must-see. Even with flaws, I think this is like, this is a movie that's definitely worth checking out. (laughs) <laughs> um yeah so i, I i'm <laughs> i'm gonna do a, what, what is starting to feel like my usual thing where i just give it like a tiny little nudge down from uh what steven does i'm just gonna give it a, a like a really strong recommend because like i said I had, I had a lot of fun with it but like in the course of the review when like you're relating it to things like 50 50 which i think is a fantastic film um it's just like when you compare this to other cancer romantic comedies <laughs> i feel it's weird that that's a genre <laughs> It, it is very weird, um, but I feel that like it uh, it doesn't quite. It I, I mean, maybe that's not fair because the people in the other film are much older and they're in a different stage of life, and mm-hmm. like like obviously, if you're in high school and somebody at the school like gets cancer and may die, it's gonna be crazy. But at the same time, you're still at an age where you like. I don't know how much people in that age really identify with death, especially death of a strange nature like that. Like, um, I don't know. It's yeah, it, it is different though. I will say what, like when comparing it to 50, 50 and I, I loved 50, 50 also, but I do feel like the rewatch potential of 50, 50, like just as a movie, I feel like there were kind of places where it dragged and it, it it was much more the emotions and the few jokes that were in it. But, you know, it was more about like this kind of emotional journey. Whereas this movie just, it, it packs the kind of invigorating punch. I, I don't, I don't know how else to say it. This is the kind of movie that every minute something is going to be shown on screen that is like, Oh, that was interesting. Or that was cool. Or that was funny. Uh, so yeah, I feel like they're, even though they're both about cancer, they're in such like, different genres to me i can't really i can't really dock it for not being as emotional as 50 50 was no yeah i mean that, that that's totally fair and i don't i i shouldn't also um but it's just i think 50 50 is one of those things where it's really it's really kind of sad the whole time <laughs> yeah <laughs> and this is a film that like does its best to shy away from the sadness and then like tries to suddenly get heavy out of nowhere mm-hmm. so that's that's my only only, only official criticism <laughs> yep I'm, I'm with you there all right well anyways um i know that uh steven is a man who doesn't like saying goodbye twice on the podcast so i'm gonna save the uh the actual goodbyes to the end of this and we are just gonna move on into spoilers um so if you're listening right now 
Hopefully you've enjoyed the episode. If you've already seen the film, go ahead and stick with us. If you haven't, maybe you should go out and check it out first and then come back. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll throw up a little music just to give you a little break so you can actually, you know, have, have the time to reach over and hit stop on your player if you don't want to get spoiled. But for the rest of you, stick with us. We're going to talk a little bit deeper spoilers in just a moment. Paradise. Shouldn't talk about it. I want you. We can bring it on the floor. We never danced like this before. We don't talk about it. Dancing on to the boogie all night long. Alright, so we are back. We're in spoiler territory. We are talking about full blown spoilers for this film, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. And uh you know the title was no lie. She was dying, turns out. <laughs> 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 Which is terrible to laugh at. I don't know why I laughed at that. Um, but we had a few things that we wanted to talk about. So one one is let's start with the let's let's start with the lesser of the big things at the end. So you had brought up the secondary character, specifically the the hot girl that he kept mm-hmm. referring to. And um the one thing that I was that was weird is I was I was mentioning it feeling like there was a scene missing. So, you know, he 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 gets to have his big moment where he talks about like when the hot girl in school touches your arm and talks to you all intimately. Uh, not that she was like trying to be sexy when she talked, but like just that like they're talking one on one. She's making physical contact that for like you know a scrawny dude in high school that is it, it messes with your mind a little bit because to you you want that to mean more than it actually does. She might mean nothing, but she's also trying to manipulate you probably. Anyway, so he has this line where he like. He doesn't tell her off, but he's like, look, you just got to stop that because it means more to me than you, like, are meaning it to me. Um, But then, like, whatever happens, she says, like, hey, do you want to go to – it was prom, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she, like, invites him to prom. And then, like, it smash smash cuts to him, like, getting ready for prom. And then he drives the limo to the hospital to see the dying girl. Um Right, like I didn't, I didn't fall asleep. Like that's the that's, no, yeah, that is that yeah. is the cut. So it seems like the they're trying to do like <laughs> that one season of Friends where you don't know whether he's going into the girlfriend's room or he's going to Rachel's room. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, like they're trying to pull that thing where it's like the hot girl asks him, and he should be going with her, but up oh, surprise trick, he actually took prom to the hospital because the girl was dying there. Mm-hmm. I. I don't know if that was supposed to be like a big like oh shit switch um yeah i don't know because the way I'll, I'll tell you the way i read that that whole dynamic i i mean like pretty much everything with the hot girl character actually he's he's saying this thing of you know when there's a pretty girl every little thing they do kind of ruins you uh, and he has this kind of imagery the whole time of like how her behavior affects him and how like she's being unfair to him. And she asked him to make a movie and now he has to because she's the hot girl. And you know, they, they keep cutting to that thing. Yeah. And then like the moose stepping on a squirrel. (laughs) Yeah. The moose stepping on the squirrel. And then finally in that last exchange, he gets to tell her off about it. I I would say he's a bit like asshole-ish in that moment. I wouldn't say he's just kind of explaining. He's being a little like, you know, He's misunderstanding what's going on also. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe because I identified with his reaction. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't take it as being a dick. But I, like, I thought it was very much like, hey, come on. Like, 
Do you understand what this is like? Yeah, I, I don't mean I don't mean he's like terrible or anything. I just mean he his read on the situation, given what she was going to ask him, is a little unfounded in this case. Yeah. And because he thinks like she's just gonna ask for another favor and she's putting her hand on his shoulder because she wants to get his attention and she knows he'll do whatever she wants if she says that. When what she's doing instead is saying, Will you go to prom with me, basically. And I feel like what he realizes there is that she's basically saying, I know it was hard for you to try to do a nice thing for this girl who's dying. I feel bad for you. Let me take you to prom. And he realizes, like, wow, this is all very self-centered of me. Like, people feel bad for me for this situation while this actual person is dying. Yeah. Uh, So, like, that was what I saw was, like, he... He realizes in that moment, like, I'm, I've been focusing on all the wrong things. Like, I'm making every other character about me. And that's why the cut to the hospital didn't feel so sudden to me. I mean, yeah, like, probably he should have talked to the hot girl and said, no, thank you first. I don't know. I don't know if well, they cut that. I think for me, like, part of the progression was, like, I didn't know if she was, like, come with me and then the girl was going to be, like if she was leading him there to meet the other girl or if like, I couldn't figure out what they were trying to do with the situation, um, mm. which is why it was so weird for me. I, I imagined him, him saying like, thanks, but no thanks. And then going and, you know, I, I imagine it as him kind of doing the pivot, not to be, not because she was wrong to ask him or anything, just because he realizes how like, how self-centered he's been. Well, I think this is almost like one of those situations where doing the cliche thing where like he's in the limo and then he like tells the limo to turn around. The Mosby. <laughs> yeah, the Mosby. <laughs> like like this is one of those situations where doing that would have, I don't know, it would have been a positive even though it's cliche. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can see that. Like, so the, the reason I brought up the hot girl is I feel like the only way her character makes sense to me yeah. Other than getting to express that, like, you know, adolescent feeling of what, what the popular girl does to you and how how easily swayed you are. The only other use she seems to have in the movie for me is showing that he is not correct about everyone. Like, he's pigeonholed people in terms of what they do to him, and he's wrong about it. Yeah, so anyways, we got disconnected, but uh, why don't we just use that as an opportunity to jump into the next subject, which is, you know, the big twist of the movie. Um, oh, my God. So uh, all, over the course of the film, um, the like one of the uh, – it's not really a joke, but one of the running gags is that, like, this is not the story that you think it is. So, like, he's constantly saying lines like, if this was, like, a whatever story, then I would be doing this and she would be doing this. And we look into each other's eyes and blah, blah, blah. But this is not that kind of story. And he keeps doing that. And, like, a few times he tries to say that the girl is not going to die by the end of it. Um, mm-hmm. Which is, I, th- I think when we talked about other films before that had a twist in it, I was talking about, like, it's one thing to let your audience assume that something's going to happen and then the twist is that it doesn't. But it's another thing to, like, like intentionally tr- attempt to misdirect your audience in a weird way. Um, to flat-out lie in yeah, the narration. Yeah. So, and like, you know, you can get away with an unreliable narrator, but, like, 
it's just weird the way they they do it and um i'm still trying to think about how i feel about the way the film ends i mean i really i was actually pretty fine with um the like i really liked the way he reacts when she starts to get really really sick like i was Mm -hmm. um the way he's sort of like it's almost not fair to him anymore. And he's kind of mad at everybody. And like, he kind of fights with her because she chooses that she's not going to continue the treatment anymore. And the way he's like, like legitimately genuinely pissed at her for, for deciding on her own terms that she's going to let herself die. Like, I, I I really thought that that worked well. Um, the it's prom night, let's watch a movie. Suddenly she's going to die. And then he discovers that she hand drew, squirrels all over the trees on her wallpaper and then like to carve like topographic maps into books um Mm -hmm. i really don't know what the movie was saying about that and um you know as we were walking to our cars i i mentioned that like to me it's a really really dark realization in which he realizes that in all this time he knows like jack shit about this girl who she is um or what she's done in her life what her interests are like anything really about her um so to me i just don't like the message the film tries to convey is that see you can still find out a lot about a person after they've they're gone from your life but like to me it's not this like happy message about like whoa what a wonderful wonderful person she was it's like a oh shit like really you didn't even see her like she was as visible like she was standing there with you trying to be friends with you and she was as invisible to him as he was to the school but he was intentionally trying to be invisible you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah so and i and i know that you know when we were walking to the car you sort of were you you didn't quite buy that as so i I saw the more cliche thing and we, so we, we discussed actually that it almost feels like they decided at the end to steer towards my interpretation, which was that not that he would feel terrible that he didn't know anything about her, but that he gets to keep getting to know her. You know, the idea that a person reveals themselves to you after they've died, which like doesn't really fit with with anything the movie is laying the groundwork for except for one kind of (laughs) randomly emotional scene before yeah where like the the weird teacher just says that (laughs) yeah yeah i mean so i because i didn't necessarily see it as like him not knowing anything about her i so what what i would have understood for instance is if it were not his character but the mother character who at the end of a movie like this feels like her daughter lost a year of her life and feels like she was cooped up and it was so pathetic, so sad, and it's probably her fault. And then she would go in here and realize that, like, the daughter had a life inside that room. Like, she was still managing to do things and make things. And, like, that would be the emotional beat is, like, oh, I'm discovering... I'm I'm seeing more to this life than I had seen before, and this is good. Like, the person was still kind of vibrant and creative even at the end yeah but for for his character i don't i don't see any satisfying emotional arc that this finishes like there's no hint in the rest of the movie that he would have like 
not believed any of this or that he needed to find this kind of thing. I, like, I don't know what it satisfies by him doing that. And I, and I feel like if we go back to my comments on the the movie that he's trying to make, like, what if it wasn't finished and the movie isn't, quote-unquote, the thing that killed her? What if the way he completed the movie was when he discovered those things and mm. that his movie becomes this, like, thing that helps her live on in everybody else's mind? So like mm-hmm. maybe so maybe he was the weird kid who's always had a camera and he walks around and he films things and he happened to capture this person who was that vibrant who was around everybody all the time but they just never noticed him like or noticed her like he could have immortalized her in this presentation of the life loving person that she was and like done that for the mom for the people in the school like something I don't know they they could have fix the ending plus actually use the the filmmaking in a way that mattered um Mm -hmm. i don't know that's just kind of how i feel about that yeah and i kind of so i think when when we were leaving the theater we we all kind of agreed that the like the the theme of the person revealing themselves to you after they're gone was like a little clunky or not really fitting with with the tone of the movie but i I did realize a little bit later what it reminded me of, which was there's the, and you, you kind of, you reminded me of this when you mentioned like living on in the movie, how it could have ended is there's this, so there's this guy, Douglas Hofstadter. So one of his main, main things is the idea that like a person is just an algorithm, like a program that we're running. Uh, So that's his fun, you know, he's a, I guess you'd call it a naturalist or materialist, so like reductionist. So that, so that's his whole thing is that like we are just this thing that runs and it isn't some magic soul. It's just like a self-aware type of program that has this particular behavior and that behavior is you. And so he wrote a book about how like after his wife died, he liked to think about his memory of her and his knowledge of like how she would have reacted in a scenario and what made her her was like like running a rough version of that algorithm like like a subroutine <laughs> so he had this kind of idea that like as you remember a person they in a sort of real way are still alive like as long as you're still interacting and doing things that they would have done in that situation huh anyway so like I only say it reminded me of that because that was a message that I liked quite a bit. And like this movie didn't really go there, but I I kind of like to flesh it in as if it had gone there because it, I don't know. That That's like the one way that I feel like it's an interesting way to look at like the passing of the girl is that, you know, if she lived on in a movie or in these artwork or in people retelling her story, then maybe she's kind of still alive. Yeah, no, and then that that would that would be you know a much in- more interesting thing, and that that dude's theory on that, or the way he likes to think about it, is actually a pretty pretty beautiful thought. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, like th- th- this film could have, even if like the film ends with him counting squirrels in the park, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so, so that's what she said she used to do, or whatever. Um, I don't know. There's a million ways that they could have made it the teeniest bit better. 
Yeah. I, another thing I sort of expected from that ending, I was glad they didn't go this route. But throughout the whole movie, he has this imagery of like him being the rodent and the hot girl being the moose. And like in the whole movie, he describes himself as a rodent, like having the face of a hamster or a squirrel or looking, uh, you know, he he continually does this. Yeah. Um, and then in the end, when he discovers her kind of drawing the squirrel in association with him and the things they did together, I thought for a minute they were going to go for the like he trampled on her like he didn't realize the effect he was having on her and he thought he was just helping her out uh, but thankfully they didn't go that route because it would yeah. have been it would have been exactly the movie that he's constantly telling us they're not in yeah yeah, yeah. or if like she thought that he was into the hot chicks so she was n- not taking the cancer meds because she wanted to die <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, that's so terrible why did you come up with that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just telling you what I was afraid of when I saw the squirrels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I feel you there. But that that that's kind of like, but that's sort of how I interpreted it anyways. I mean, that, that kind of falls in line with like the tragicness, except for the tragicness is in, in your scenario is her reaction to it. Um, or I guess her. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Similar idea. Yeah, the yeah. one other thing about the ending that I didn't strongly dislike it, but it still felt like it belonged in a more cliche movie was the whole like college admission book ending thing. <laughs> like I, I understand why in this case it's like, it's a nice twist um, because she wrote that, but still it's one of those things that like, I don't feel like the movie needs it as a device. Like he can be telling the story. If he were telling the story as the movie that he were making, it would feel so much more cohesive to me than if he were telling the story as an admissions letter, which is about how he made this movie for this person. Oh, I I almost feel like, because I, I kind of liked it. Like I got a little choked up by it. Um, But I, even though this is not the language of the film, I wanted to, if they would have just removed the line um, where she says, like, oh, I included it, you can read it or not read it, it's up to you. Like, I wish that the film would have ended with somebody at the school getting a letter, opening up the letter, and then the voiceover. of, of mm-hmm. um, Because I think it's more potent if he doesn't know that she wrote that letter. Yeah. And then he gets accepted maybe then with a copy of the letter. And then he finds out that like, even in the very end, she was doing this for him. And even in the very end, it was all about him. (laughs) Oh, wow. Full circle. But yeah, like I think that would have been like, it would, it would, it would have worked for me. Mm. So anyways, I think, I think I'm about tapped out as far as anything that I, was going to talk about um me me too all right cool (laughs) i I think we're good all right so uh now it's actually time for us to say goodbye so steven if people want to find you throughout the week where can they do that if people want to find me they can go to twitter.com slash s david miller or s david miller.com people can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopher irl you can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show if you want to know when the episodes go live you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning 
If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can use the uh, feedback form on our site. So, um, music for this episode is going to come from the soundtrack to Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, I guess. Um, so hopefully... I can't... I remember liking it, but I can't think at all of what it was now. Yeah, I don't... You, usually you and Carson are the ones who uh, notice the music. I generally just enjoy it unless the song's like really weird and then it sticks out in my head and i remember it um <laughs> but yeah so that, that's the episode we are um it, it, carson has been experiencing some laptop troubles and uh in theory we might later in the week record a review of jurassic world so stay tuned for that um because i'm sure we'll have lots to say about it <laughs> um but uh yeah, in the meantime, thank you guys for listening. Yeah, listening. Thank you, Stephen, for joining me. I just combined those two sentences into one thing. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was midway through the sentence, I realized that I usually say thank you for joining me first. So I tried to like spin it in my head. Your, your hand alone must be getting tired holding the microphone up this whole time. Oh, I switched far way through to my other hand. Nice. But for some reason, that one stresses my piggy more. I don't... <laughs> Anyways, Stephen, it's been a pleasure as always. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been fun. I'll talk to you next time. Yeah, I'll talk to you in the morning. <laughs> um, but uh, thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed. And we'll talk to you later. Bye.